Tonight I'm talking with vibratory scientist Don Estes. Stay tuned because you're about to get a glimpse into his decades worth of research into the vibratory nature of reality and the laws that govern the relationship between us and everything else, a science he calls harmonic law. Don is a pioneer uncovering the connections between vibrational science, consciousness, and spirituality, and he uses vibration and music as vehicles to achieve transcendence of the human state. In other words, he has discovered a way to create non-ordinary states of consciousness using a person's breath, voice, and neural expressions. Before I bring up my interview with Don Estes, I want to tell you a bit about him. Don Estes currently serves as CEO and Director of InnerSense, Inc. and Psyometric Science, Inc. He's a certified medical technologist, laboratory director, and neuroscientist. He has lectured worldwide on sensory science and vibrational medicine, appearing on CNN, NBC, ABC, Entertainment Tonight, Science Frontiers, the Discovery Channel, and Next Step, which won an Emmy Award in 1994. His work has been featured in Wired, Computer Design, Los Angeles Magazine, and in national and international media. Don Estes' book, Harmonic Law, The Science of Vibration, illustrated by a large wall chart entitled The Absolute Scale of Relative Cosmic Reality, is one of the most complete compendiums of scientific and philosophical knowledge ever assembled. Estes is the inventor of vibrasound sensory resonance technologies used by both professionals and non-professionals for music, sound therapy, relaxation, entertainment, and expanded states of mind. His theories include proprietary knowledge and patents in the fields of light, color, sound, music, and algorithmic automata. In addition to being a consultant to rejuvenation retreats, day spas, mind spas, medical professionals, and entertainment facilities worldwide, Estes designed, built, and operated three award-winning facilities, Inner Space, Mind Wave, and the AHA Spa. Since 2001, his company Innersense has partnered with Psyometrics in Glastonbury, England. Together, they have pioneered a new science of universal automata, which defines the physical and mental mechanisms behind the manifestation of intention. They have also designed and constructed a world-class supercomputer that can render a model of any reality in a formal mathematical language. This work is patent-pending. Don currently lives the AHA experience on a daily basis with his wife and two children in the Santa Monica Mountains of Los Angeles. The conversation you're about to hear took place two days ago. Don Estes, it's such a pleasure to have you here with me on Be More Now. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. So do you want to speak briefly to how you came to your life's work on vibratory science? Well, it started out for me a bit really when I was a kid. And I was uh, always into music, into uh, the latest, greatest thing, loved electronics. We we had one of the first televisions in the community. And uh, I used to, after my parents would go to sleep, I would sit and fiddle with the tuner on the TV. And you could get it in between two stations where it would just be static. Yeah. Uh, but I would play with the color controls. And so I had all kind of color things going on there. I got I got uh, scolded, maybe even whipped several times for doing that. <laughs> but uh, I uh, was always interested in that sort of thing. And um, when I uh, got into when I basically got into teenage years, I would like all good. Uh, Americans during that time, I had a my band. I wanted to be a rock star, and um, so I learned how to play keyboards. And one night, I was um, I had backstage passes to a concert, and I was sitting on top of an amplifier that was hooked up to the uh, lead guitar player. And I suddenly realized I was feeling every nuance of his tones in my body, in my whole body. And I'd never really experienced that before. I just thought that was the coolest thing. And I 
I ran home after that and I started throwing things together. In those days, it was a trip off to Radio Shack just to buy some speakers and things like that. But I brought them home. I had a waterbed at the time mm -hmm. and I took it all apart and I put those speakers underneath it and I turned it on and it was just so amazing that um, by the time I got into uh, to college with all of that and started really studying that, that was back in the in the uh, mid 60s and it was just before they made all of the psychedelics illegal and i was a chemistry major so we used to just um, uh, help ourselves basically in the chemistry lab to uh, making all kinds of things and um, a lot of your listeners are probably aware they've probably heard before that back during the 60s we did a lot of experimentation with our brain chemistry <laughs> yeah i think a lot of our, my listeners a lot of <laughs> did a lot of that experimentation also uh, <laughs> and um i loved it i never before they made it illegal i never really saw a bad trip uh, i certainly never had one i loved it i wanted to live there <laughs> but um uh, I learned by constantly doing it that there's a what I wound up calling a compensatory lag time that it sort of robs you of certain brain chemicals um, or at least you you get used to being supplied with it so your brain quits making it so when you stop doing it um, you're uh, you're not really in the, the best place for uh, consciousness and higher thinking and that sort of thing to take place. So right then and there, I dedicated the rest of my life to finding a way to achieving that state without having to pop the pill. And that's basically where all this came from. By the time I graduated from college, I had written a paper called Sensory Resonance. So I did a lot of research on the sensory mechanisms. And I finally realized that sensory resonance, whenever the, all of the senses are synchronized together into one coherent experience, a strange thing happens in the brain. You move into this state of mind, I called it sensory resonance, but it's, it's a state where um, the reticular activating system, which is the part of the brain that makes you aware of things like security and novelty, checking things out that don't add up and make sense. Uh, it turns that part off when you achieve this state of sensory resonance and immediately the mind moves to these higher states of peace and well-being and connectedness and that everything's okay and you're on the right track and you can take faith and, and uh, have trust in the universe. And like I said, I just really wanted to live in that space. Yeah. And so the school that I was going to at the time, more or less kind of let me major in all that, not so much about doing it, but about learning why people did it and how it worked and all that sort of thing. And from those studies, I learned how to create environments that would uh, sort of put you in the right mood to have an experience like that. And then as technology came along and we started putting all this together and uh, making it work across all the sensory mechanisms, things started to really blossom. Things started to really come together when we actually started making technology that would do all of those things. So in those days, um we didn't have leds and all these nice electronics in those days we used uh i think i wound up using a pair of welders glasses and we would go to radio shack and get some of those little flashlight bulbs you know that you used to put in the end of the flashlight those little uh -huh. bulbs and we would glue them in there and wire them up and uh, that was how we got started with adding light into the whole experience. And but over the years, well, I think we're now in our 13th generation of the technologies, but it started out extremely simple. But over the years, it has grown. And during the 90s and the 2000s, we, you know, the technology has just taken off like crazy. So now there's um, there's all kind of people that are finally um, starting to understand the power of sound and music 
and vibration in general. It was really lonely for a long time, maybe uh, 30 years or more we did this and uh, got laughed at and persecuted and that sort of thing because it wasn't a very well-known thing that sound and music has all this power, and not to mention the fact that um, the human voice is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, maybe the most powerful piece of technology that's ever been created. Mm-hmm. And that just finally has come around. I feel like the world is more or less sort of starting to catch up with us. Now there's a lot of people that are getting into all aspects of this vibrational science thing. And do you think it was just because you were so ahead of your time? How hard it is for new ideas to take hold. It would seem that since a lot of your work came out of the psychedelic movement, out of the music, which was so popular, it's interesting that people didn't want to kind of shift along with some of you. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the same old thing about Americans, you know, they just want to, they want to pop the pill. They don't really want to do the work. And right. so it's just, it's just easier to pop the pill rather than do the work that's necessary to uh, achieve that kind of state without having to pop the pill. People were, have done it before, but it took like 40 years of dedicated support uh, and dedication to uh, meditation and all those kinds of things to be able to achieve that state just with no help. Right. Right. But I found that if we can interrupt that little part of the brain that pays attention to all that stuff, uh, if we could get that out of the way, then it's a whole different story. I kind of see it like I talk in terms of Star Trek sometimes. Pretty much everybody our age and even younger age now knows what Star Trek was all about. And um, I see the Starship Enterprise, that ship that they had, I see that as the human body. Mm. And all of those characters in the show were parts of the human personality. And Captain Kirk, in my opinion, was the reticular activating system of the ship because his main function was security and novelty. If there was any kind of threat, he ordered the shields to go up. If there was anything that didn't make sense and needed to be checked out, he formed a committee or a a group to to go down to a planet to check things out. Right. And uh, those are really important functions. They, They keep us alive. They keep us aware of what's going on around us and that sort of thing. But they also block access to all those good things those feelings of peace and well-being and connectedness, those get blocked out of the way most of the time. And uh, I also found that in any given moment, consciousness can only be focusing on the experience that it's having or analyzing the experience that it's having. It's almost impossible to do both of those at the same time unless you're extremely highly trained. Yeah, so the problem winds up being that you only have this two, two choices. You can either analyze the experience or experience it. And if you decide to experience it and go to the experience side of the equation, the only thing that's over there is pleasure or pain. And since pain has become such a taboo or a, a no-no over the years, the only thing left over there is pain. So nobody goes to the experience side, especially in the Western worlds. Very few people go and live in that experiential world. They stay over in the analyzing world about 95% of the time. Right. And uh, the real problem with that is, is that when they wake up and they're 80 years old and they wonder where did their life go? The answer is they were never there because you never remember analyzing anything. You only remember experiences. Interesting. So like if I, if I were to ask you what you were doing at 2.30 in the afternoon on September the 9th in 1979, uh, you probably wouldn't be able to tell me. Unless you're one of those really unique, you know, total memory people, not many people would be able to tell me what they were doing on a specific day unless yeah. something very important happened at that time. Yeah. Right. So um Pretty much everybody just decides to live over here in the analyzed world and they never really experience much. So they don't remember anything. They wake up when they're 80 years old and they wonder where their life went. 
So the whole purpose of what we were trying to do is how do we get people to experience the moment rather than analyze what's going on? And I noticed that with psychedelics, that happens. It knocks them right into the experience. And the problem with that is, is that it throws you right into the experience and you miss all the little nuances of the directions on how to get there. So it just kind of throws you in there. So you don't really remember how to get back there again. But I wanted to create technology that would be like a learning tool that would help people learn how to get there. And once you do that, once you learn that, it's like riding a bicycle and you, you don't really forget how to do it. And so now we have people that have utilized our technologies for years, know how to, uh, to get there. Right. So it's that same idea that if you take enough, let's say LSD, or you have that understanding where most people who've experienced certain different sites, at least my, I'll speak personally for myself, there's a couple of psychedelics that I've taken that I can close my eyes and go to that place. And it's changed the way I see the world or see shapes and see geometry and things. It's literally blended into my day-to-day reality. But the idea being is that what, what you're saying is it's the same concept, except for you don't need to take copious amounts of drugs over a number of years to get there. You can go and learn how to use the reality management system or the sensory devices that you've created to then access these places. It's like a sped up meditation. Exactly. What I learned was that there's a pharmacy inside there, inside your head. Mm-hmm. And we're the pharmacist. We can write a prescription to feel any way we want to feel. Mm. But most people won't do that. Most people or many people will allow somebody else or some situation that they're in to write the prescription. And when you learn the truth of the fact that you can actually write the prescription, no matter what's going on around you or what's going on with the people around you, no matter what's happening there, you can write a prescription to feel any way that you want to feel. Right. And when you learn how to do that, it really changes everything in your life because you find yourself not being taken away by all these day-to-day mundane things that are going on in the world. And and suddenly you get a bigger picture of what's really going on in reality. And you start figuring out why you're here, what's your place in it all. That's about the time that I learned that uh, what I call contemplation to me is superior to meditation. So instead of tuning out and getting out of time and space, I like to go through a procedure to where I tune in and I turn everything on and I contemplate who I am and what is my place in it all and where am I going with it all and that sort of thing. And to me, that really helps me on a day-to-day basis. Um, Whereas when I try to meditate and, and get away from it, it doesn't have the same effect. We used to do a, um, a little test where we would go outside and we would put three chairs outside and we'd take a, a yogic master that uh, they do this deep delta meditation where they just get way off into the cave and shut everything else off. And then in the second chair, we would put a Zen master who has a different type of meditation. And in the third chair, we would put a type A salesperson that was already late to his next meeting and didn't really (laughs) want to be there. So we would uh, use music or meditation techniques and things like that to get them as relaxed as we could. And we would have them hooked up to biometric technology like galvanic skin resistance and and other things like that, that we had in those days. So you could see whether the person was uh, being relaxed, going parasympathetic or sympathetic. And uh, we'd let them get as relaxed as they could get. And then without saying anything to them or, or notifying them, we would take a shotgun and just blast it into the ground behind the chairs and then watch what happened on the meters. And it was very interesting because the yogic practitioner would, didn't even notice the firing of the gun. They were, there was no evoked response whatsoever. 
the other two people would immediately go to maximum stimulation. But then immediately the Zen master would back off down from that and back all the way back down to where the, the yogi was. I did that over and over again to prove it to myself. And I found out that the yogic technique that gets them so far into the cave doesn't really let them be present. Whereas right. the, the Zen master was present, but he could get himself back there instantly. Uh huh. Whereas the other person, the type A salesperson would never come down. They would, they would, you know, after that gunshot go off, they had to leave. Yeah, that was the end of the experiment. <laughs> exactly. And they would, you know, even watching them for a long time, they could never settle back down after that. I learned that the Zen mastery is a much better life coping tool than the type of meditation that just tunes you out. Right. Full disclosure, Don is a teacher and he's my teacher. I've been studying with him. One of the things that I love about working with Don in all of his classes is he takes me to the edge, the very edge of any belief form or thought form that I have. And then you kind of press against it and you kind of can't go any further. And I love that idea because it pushes me each time the edge moves a little bit and I get more and more comfortable with that absolute silence of not knowing, but loving that I'm looking at it. That right. makes sense? Yeah, it does. So, but there's a certain kind of, to even be able to go to those edges, you have to have silenced your mind enough to be able to not have what you're going to eat afterwards or, you know, what you did two seconds ago and what you're going to be doing now and who's texting me and what am I thinking about all those other things coming in at the same time. Right. Contemplating right. certain things like contemplating your place in the universe and your place within the friends, the group of friends that you have and contemplating what your own reality is with regards to all of that. So it's more of a process of tuning in than tuning out for me. That's where I seem to get my, my best information is by contemplating my own space or my own position in the universe. That's the big question. And I think that's one of the things that you've done so well in that sense of creating a way to access those states without disappearing from yourself. You know, I think that's one of the challenges right now. I know a lot of people doing ayahuasca, psilocybin, all the different amazing tools we have available. But one of the things that happens I see a lot is that lack of integration. It's going off from one experience to another. So it can kind of unground people and then help. They don't quite have the ability to apply some of those higher concepts that the plant medicine's teaching and bring that back into daily life. Yeah. Whereas the what you're offering it is daily life, right? You're not in some extra world that's going to take you seven hours to get out of kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the people that are into plant medicine forget that we were once those plants. <laughs> the universe holds on. It collects and holds on to order. So it just to makes total sense to me that we've maintained the ability to make any of those kind of chemicals. Right but we've forgotten how to do it. And by getting into that state of mind where there is no thread and there's no um, uh, nothing to analyze or try to figure out or anything like that, you go into that state that is, I call it an expanded state. We, we've done brainwave studies on people doing using our technology. And instead of having a, a focus state, like an alpha state or a beta state or a theta state or something like that, uh, they get into this expanded state where they have activity going on in um, all parts of the brain at the same time. So you could have uh, some deep delta, theta, alpha, beta, gamma. The whole brain is on fire. Mm. So it's it's like everything's firing all together at once. It's a whole it's a holistic versus a compartmentalized experience. Yeah, and it's just that part of the brain that tries to pay attention to all that has to get out of the way. And the second it does, the mind just immediately goes to those, those higher states. I just want to take a quick moment and remind you that you're listening to Be More Now. I'm your host, Blake Moore, and I'm speaking with Don Estes, vibrational scientist and sound technology pioneer.
I've got so many questions to come in, but I want to make sure I come to your technology. I know you just opened a center in Santa Monica called the Reality Center. It's a transformational wellness center that you co-created with others that this idea of redefining the way that humans heal. Do you want to talk about that? Because this is the part about you that's so exhilarating is not only do you have all the ideas and your absolute scale of relative cosmic reality, which we could spend months or years on (laughs) talking about, but you're also, you know, you're really stepping it down into practical applications that people can touch. It doesn't have to be in a rarefied laboratory somewhere. You're bringing it to the people. So I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit. Sure. We were looking for the right name for this place and um, so many different ways of explaining what this is all about. But it finally just came to us that the bottom line of it all is reality. And it's about helping a person learn how to manage their reality. So people are asking me now, what is reality management? And the answer is just something like that it's taking control and supervising one's own reality. It's like you become an overseer of the moment-to-moment experience that's going on in your life and take responsibility for every decision and action that you make. And so for me, that just boils it all down to the bottom line. This is about learning how to manage and supervise your own reality. Right. So we opened up this center, the Reality Management Center in Santa Monica in a little place called the, uh, the Promenade, which is right on the beach. So it's really nice location and um, free parking, which is unusual for Santa Monica and right there on the beach. So after a session, people can just walk across the road and go sit on the beach for a few minutes to integrate the session. So it's in a really nice location. And we've pulled all of the technology in there. So all of the things that we've created over the past 30 years are there at this place. So we're offering memberships for people to come in and get more involved than just a one-time kind of thing. We do periodic gatherings, maybe once a month. We have a gathering there where we bring people in. And next week, we're starting a uh, workshop about the technology and the reality management aspects of things rather than all of the science of it, like you guys are learning in the, the workshop that I've been doing for the students. I think that it's the world has finally caught up with us. We tried this once before in 1994, believe it or not, that long ago. We had another place in that same area on the promenade uh, called Innerspace, where we had four or five of our wavetable vibra sounds in there. And it was very simple, uh, but it worked really, really well but the world just really wasn't ready for it. They just weren't ready to hear that uh, they have control of their own reality. Mm. And so it's taken us all this time to finally come full circle back to that. This is the first public offering we've personally offered of the technology in many, many years. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if it's as I say that people are finally ready for it. And so far, it's going pretty good. Yeah, how is it being received? We've only been in there for a few weeks, but uh, we already have a number of members. I think almost 100 people have applied. Doing, We have four different session uh, therapy rooms there. where We have one room for the wave table, the big flagship fluid hydrosonic table that we call the wave table. We and can you a, talk more about that for people who have no idea what a wavetable or hydrosonic might be? Yeah. So basically, I mentioned that these technologies are multi-sensory. So there's a auditory component where you hear it. There's a visual component where you see it. And there's a kinesthetic component where you actually feel it in every cell of your body. And this was one of the main things that I had discovered that many years ago is the power of tactile vibration. And I learned that a third of the brainstem is given over to processing tactile vibration, but it's hardly ever used. In the Western worlds, for example, you can see an audio visual store on just about every corner in a big city, 
Right. Uh, but you, I don't think I've ever seen a audio visual kinesthetic store because yeah. in, the, in the Western world, we've just chopped out the whole feeling thing. We can see and hear really well, but we can't feel very well. And so to turn that part of the brain on increases the, the power of whatever the source is that you're using music or frequencies or biometrics or whatever, it increases that by a third. So just having that one component is, um, is a major change to the way that people mostly experience things. If you were to have one of our chairs in your living room where you periodically watch movies or something like that, where you're feeling every nuance of all that in every cell of your body at the same time. And then you go over to a friend's house and you're watching the movie with them or you're watching the television with them and you're thinking, wow, something really big is missing here. Because once you get used to information coming in that way, uh, it's hard to really give it up. So our technologies basically take all of the senses and they marry them together in these sensory coherent experiences to where they're all synchronized together into one coherent experience. And the wavetable that I mentioned is just our flagship product along those lines that is a hydrosonic table. So it's a, it's a mattress. It's similar to like a waterbed kind of mattress, but it's filled with a colloidal mineral suspension and some, some cellulose that basically acts like human tissue fluid. Uh -huh. well, the idea being that I'm trying to turn that mattress into a human body and I'm trying to get it to respond to sound and music very similar to the way that the human body does so that when you lie down on it, you become one with that mattress. Mm. Because whenever you're trying to transfer a vibration from one material into another material, there's something called impedance. You have a, an impedance loss there because of the difference between the two materials. And in this case, we've done away with that. We have a little device called a zero impedance processor that does away with that difference. So that when you lie down on that fluid table, you become one with that mattress. And uh, any signal that's played into it from frequencies or sound or music or your voice or your brain waves or anything like that that's played into that table, you feel that in every single cell of your body at the same time. And it's a little superior to the other technologies that are out there, and even including our own, because we have we have a smaller version of it that's more like a massage massage table, and another version of it that's like a reclining chair. But those become what is technically technically called an oscillator instead of a vibrator, because vibration is something that happens inside of a body. Whereas oscillation is something that's happening to the whole body at the same time. So you can imagine if um, you were lying down on one of my little massage tables and I put a hundred Hertz signal into that table, it's basically just vibrating your whole body in space at a hundred uh -huh. Hertz. So everything in your body is going to vibrate at a hundred Hertz, whether it's resonant to that or not, because I'm just kind of moving it in space. But if, they, if that same person were to lie down on one of these wavetables and I put 100 hertz in there, the only parts of the body that are resonant to the 100 hertz will feel it. The rest of the body will ignore it. So when you're doing very specific frequency therapy to a human being, it's vital to have a system like that where you can get very specific frequencies right into the body uh, into the exact spot that you want it uh, because of the resonance between what's going on with the organs and the tissues of the body and, um, and the body itself. Let me just ask you a question to clarify. So because of the, the transducting ability of the waterbed-like structure, it mimics the body so you can put vibration into it or frequencies into it that then will go wherever they're needed in the body because that's what the body 
it, it treats it like it's something organically happening within the body. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, that's exactly okay. what I mean. And okay. you could actually, you could actually feel the music moving around in your body to the different locations, depending mm -hmm. on the resonances mm -hmm. of the tissues and the organs and that sort of thing. Whereas on the other systems, um, it just feels like your whole body's being vibrated. It's synchronized with the light and the sound, but you can tell a, a difference in, um, Absolutely. That you're you're really connected to the fluid. This idea that all the different organs and systems of the body all have a different frequency, a different resonance pattern. And mm -hmm. that's pretty much at this point is is has been scientifically accepted. Is that I, I know something that I studied, it seemed like everyone listed different organs with different frequencies, but no one seemed to be able to agree on what the frequencies were for these things, which made me kind of back up a little bit and say, well, wait a minute. I believe the idea that my spleen's got a specific frequency, but they can't give anyone a specific frequency because we're all different sizes, right? My exactly spleen's right. smaller yeah. than yeah. your spleen or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that creates this kind of range of places. Is that the way that that, that science works? Yes. Within yeah. our range? There, most of the people that are out there in the industry right now will make that claim that there are certain frequencies for certain body parts. Like here's the frequency of the heart or the liver or whatever, which is just more or less um, not true. Right. Because uh, resonance is created from mostly two things, dimensions and density. So the density of the material is one factor and the dimensions of it is another factor. And there's no way that the frequency of a baby's heart is gonna be the same frequency yeah. as a big uh, adult 200 heart. pound man, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no way that that can be. So truth of the matter is, is that we're all totally individual. You have to do a lot of experimentation with a person to find out all those things about them. You'd have to have them laying on one of my systems and you'd have to have them hooked up and in between the data that you get back from the system and their own subjective experience of where they're feeling the vibrations, you can map them out. But this is something that takes some time and it would take a number of different sessions to actually get a person's true vibrational signature to where you could affect change on them. But, you know, we did that for so long because up until not long ago, pretty much everybody was forced into following the what's called the allopathic healing paradigm, which basically says that there's something wrong and you got to find it and fix it. Everybody kind of got stuck with that because nobody was able to find out what's right. They could only right. find out what's wrong um, because um, of the way things are measured. Like, how can I explain? Uh, when, you, when you go to the doctor, let's just put it this way. There's, there's a big difference in finding what's wrong and fixing it and identifying what's right and enhancing it. And no one's been able to ever find out what's right because to know what's right, you'd have to find the harmony in a human feedback system, a biometric and a brainwave, a heartbeat or something like that. You'd have, you'd have to be able to find the harmony that's there, but no one's ever been able to do that because the human bi the, the biometrics of a human jump all over the place. As you're hearing me talk right now, my fundamental frequency is jumping all over the scale. Right. And to, to know what the fundamental, to know what the harmony is, you've got to find the true fundamental frequency but nobody's been able to do that because it jumps all over the place. So what they've always done all these years is that they take a time sample of your brain or your heart or your voice or whatever, and they average it. And they will tell you that that's the fundamental frequency, but that's not true. That's just the average frequency. You have to be able to find the true fundamental frequency. And when we figured out how to do that, this was about 10 years ago, when we figured out how to actually accomplish that, our whole paradigm changed out of that old allopathic healing paradigm into this new healing paradigm that says we can identify what's right and enhance it. Back in, you know, that long ago, we actually almost did a 180 degree turn away from the whole idea about healing. In fact, I'm pretty convinced at this point that healing someone is a disservice 
because <laughs> there's a reason why uh, they have that situation. And if right. you just, if you take that away from them and they miss the lesson, it just comes back again. So it doesn't really, it's just a waste of their time, everybody's time and money to approach it that way. Whereas if person comes along and you say, I want you to just take all of that stuff that's going wrong. And instead of ignore it, I want you just to put that to the side for a minute. You want to acknowledge it, that it's there. I admit that it's there. And I'm just going to put that to the side for a minute. And I'm going to focus on what's right. And what I have found from that is, is that there's only so much space in there and you start filling it up with all the good stuff. And it drives all the bad stuff out the back door and you don't even really have to address it. Now, most therapists don't like to hear me talk like that because almost all of them are looking for what's wrong and trying to fix it. So they don't like someone coming along saying that you don't really need to address all of that. But it's true. And I've proven it to myself and many others that if you start enhancing what's right, it drives all that other stuff out the back door and the significance of it gets less and less. Interesting. We treat the symptoms versus the cause. So in the same way that fits within that idea set. Exactly. We have absolute mathematical proof from a supercomputer of what happens when you iterate the output of any system back into the input of that same system. And it's true of like a machine or a human being or anything that has an input and an output. If you feed the output directly back into the input, it geometrically amplifies it. So if you get sick and you go to the doctor and you start telling them what's wrong, you're basically doing just that. You're iterating the output back into the input and it can never, ever go away. So how convenient is that? How convenient is that for the, the medical establishment to just have a constant supply of uh, patients? In right. fact, you know, you know what patient means? You know what the, how that? No. The word patient actually comes from um, a word that means submissive sufferer. <laughs> submissive oh. sufferer. So that's what they call everybody. You're submissive. You're going to do everything I tell you to do, and you're going to submit to what I tell you to do. Goodness, you submissive sufferer. You. Well, that's kind of so many of the traditional methods. As someone who's been, uh, you know, kind of into a, a, a more holistic form of healing, having written for Future Medicine Publishing for, you know, a number of a decade plus and, and all the work I did with Yoga Journal and Consciousness Magazine and that kind of work, I kind of stepped away from so much of that. And it's, it's interesting how, how much more of it, I was visiting my mom who she got cancer and I had to go spend four months with her and she watches television and I don't have a TV. I, I, I killed my television in 1984 and I could not believe the drug ads. And I didn't know there were that many health problems out there. That's all doctors have become is just drug pushers. Well, that was the most interesting part of it because I was learning about all these new maladies that I didn't even know existed because of the things that they were advertising on the television. Once and that was really fascinating. It. Of course, they lift this whole line of side effects that to me, I'm like, I'm not, wouldn't ask anyone for any of that. Right. So it's very interesting the way the paradigm has continued to move. To me, what you're doing is helping to push back. You know, that's why I went to sound school is to try to come back into what got me into yoga in the first place, what got me into meditation. My mother was a nurse and my dad was a pharmacist. So I grew up very, very traditionally, million health problems, you know, asthmatic. I was pre-diabetic. I had this and this and this and this. And then I started discovering natural holistic medicine and just really the power of the food I ate, the thoughts I had and the way I moved my body. And I healed myself from all the things that I was, was basically sentenced to spend the rest of my life on drugs. Yep. From a young age. Yeah. They've just basically become um, drug pushers. You know, my mom is now on various medicines and they have to give her medicine to deal with the medicine and then the other medicine to deal with that medicine. And it's like, mom, you know, right. my mom was never into taking any medicine. She doesn't want to take any of it. So it's really interesting to see her be between a rock and a hard place because she doesn't really want to seek it out. A place like what you're doing, it doesn't fit within her paradigm. We're shifting the paradigm to a place where 
we have more of a chance to make a change in the world and in our own health. And we are almost out of time, Don, and I want to make sure that people can find you. So would you just list a couple of your websites and uh, ways that you can be reached? Uh, Yes. So uh, people can reach us through two different websites. The main one now is this realitymanagement.com, which is the word reality and then MGMT is shortened there, MGMT, realitymanagement.com. And um, the other one is innersense-inc.com. And on that one, you can find out all of the information about the technologies and how they work and um, uh, what their cost is how long it takes to uh, ship them and that sort of thing. So all the information about the technology is on innersense-inc.com and all the information about the therapy sessions that we offer are on the realitymanagement.com site. So I would encourage you to go and check those out and, and give us a call, especially if you're in Southern California and close by. We'd love to have any of you um, stop by and check out what we're doing there. Absolutely. And and I would recommend it highly to anybody getting a chance to, to participate. I think of myself as a participant in your technology. Yeah. You know, it took me to those transcendental psychedelic psychic that dreamlike places that I only normally associate with plant medicine. And um, I spent an hour on one of Dawn's devices and I had I'm still integrating the information that I received then. Well, well, there's a lot going on inside of our heads. <laughs> and, um, and we rarely really get to take a good hard look at it. We're so busy dealing with the day-to-day mundane things of life. It's hard to really see the bigger picture, that there's a, there's a whole universe going on and there's a whole spiritual reality going on. And just to contemplate that and be a part of that really does uh, enhance life to the point to where it becomes not only livable, but it becomes enjoyable to realize that there's, there's a bigger picture going on and that we're all here for a reason. None of this is accidental. And just to help a person get in that state, I feel like is the greatest service that I could ever do for them. To, to help them get into a place to where they can have an epiphany or an aha moment that really does shift them, to me, is much more powerful than fixing a, a physical problem that's going on with them. Because I, I know that if they don't really understand or figure out why that happened to them, it's going to come back again. But when a person's own higher self tells them something, it really drives it home and it comes at them in a much better way than me trying to, or anybody trying to explain to them what reality is. Right. But for their own higher self to explain it to them, it's, it's mind blowing and it really is life changing. And I've seen so many transformations take place um, just from getting in that state. So that's our main focus now is just helping a person get into the experience to where they have that epiphany and then we're done. Uh And And then they can change their life with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It happens like that to where a person gets off and I may not see him for a year and I run into them somewhere after a year's gone by and they're like, oh my God, that changed my life. I went home, I, I got a different job. I moved to a different city. It totally changed my life. And so that's really what it's about to me. Transformation is about moving out of the space that you're in into a a bigger space, a higher, um, more transformative space. And uh, if you're going to take the time to transform yourself, why not go all the way? Because at at the highest end of transformation is something called a lasso, which is a particular kind of transformation from a material physical evolutionary creature into an existential spiritual essence in other words who you're going to be on the other side once you die why not become that now 
Right. And so that's really the focus of the technology is to help them get into states of mind to where they can transform themselves at the highest level and really become who they truly are. Yes. Forever. 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 Here's to that prayer going out into the world. Thank you so much, Don. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure as well. Let's do this again sometime where we can really talk about the uh, the technologies and stuff. I would love that. That was vibratory science pioneer Don Estes and me, Blake Moore, your host of Be More Now. And we've been talking about his light, sound, and frequency technology and how it helps people access non-ordinary states of mind so they can use it for healing, optimal wellness, and joy. I could talk to Don for hours and hours. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And once again, you can find out more about Don Estes at vibrasound.com, V-I-B-R-A-S-O-U-N-D.com, and then also at realitymanagement.com, and that's R-E-A-L-I-T-Y-M-G-M-T.com. Those links are also on my blog. To listen to this show again or catch past episodes, you can find Be More Now on kzyx.org and you can click on the link to the show archives. And you can also find it under the blog section of my website, bemoreu.net. And on that page, you can also subscribe to monthly installments on Spotify or Apple Music. That way you can listen to KZYX anywhere and anytime you want. I'd like to make a couple of announcements. We've got right here on KZOX tomorrow, Friday, February 4th at 9 a.m. You can catch Politics, a love story. This week, host Bob Yushansky will be talking with Christopher Elias about his new book, Gossip Men. J. Edgar Hoover, Joe McCarthy, Ray Khan, and the politics of insinuation. They'll explore how these three men who knew each other and at times worked together influence politics by spreading gossip, lies, and insinuation. That's Politics, a Love Story, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And tomorrow evening, Friday the 4th, Pride Nation 101 at 7 p.m., the same time slot. And you can hear queer music, stories, opinions, and lives from Mendocino County and beyond. Host Roland Corey Medina and Chad Swimmer will be painting a portrait of queer on the Mendocino coast with a focus on the challenges facing LGBTQIA youth and how you can change a life by being a foster parent. That's Pride Nation 101 this Friday at 7 p.m. right here on KZYX and Z. As always, thank you to each and every one of you who support KZOX and keep us strong and thriving for the years to come. We would not be here without you, and we are so, so grateful for every little bit that you share and give and you're listening. So thank you for being a supporter of KZYX. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.